I'm increasingly uh, becoming concerned that I'm becoming more and more like Victor Meldrew. Um, I remember back in August going into the supermarket for them to have their Christmas aisle already set up. Christmas cake on sale, best before date, 13th of September, and I was wondering, I let out a, a rather loud exclamation and came this close to demanding to speak with the manager about the whole process. I'm sure you are all already ready for Christmas. Um, I might be ready by March, the way things are going on at this precise moment. Um, I'm sure you're all counting down the number of shopping days you've got left to go. Um, you've already sorted out your Nigella recipe for the turkey and so on, and, and everything's fine. Unfortunately, this time of year for me is that moment where mild panic sets in, that you know, I'm not going to have everything done, that it's not going to be as good as last Christmas and all of those sorts of things. And then into the midst of that comes the theory that Advent is a time of spiritual reflection and, and that time for us to take that step back and rest and wait and contemplate the really important things in life. And quite frankly, I'm knackered already, and I can't see how that's going to happen. And then you add into all of that the profound joy that our readings have offered us this morning. The end of the world is coming, and I feel fine. I don't feel fine. Um, how are we to deal with those readings in amongst everything else? Um, if you think about it, quite a lot of people over the years have expressed their, their assertion that the end of the world is about to happen, and certainly that was what the followers of Jesus thought was going to happen, that their understanding was that Jesus had come and that pretty soon after that was it. And the Gospel writers and, and Paul and, and then the other early Christian writers each of them reflect in some way about what the end of the world might mean and what it might look like. Obviously, they were all coloured to an extent by the fact that there were then significant political events at the time that, that happened with the, the fall of, of Jerusalem in, in AD 70 and so on, and, and the dispersal of the Jewish people around the Roman Empire. But that hasn't stopped people from reflecting and, and contemplating what the end of the world might be. And so Christopher Columbus reckoned that the end of the world was going to happen in 1658. Uh, our great and noble John Wesley was convinced that it was going to end in 1836. Um, uh, Pat Robertson, the um, American, and by the way, if you want to go and look at the lists of where all the predictions are about the end of the world, 98% of them do come from America, where the world's mad people live. Um, and he was convinced that it was going to end in 2007. We've had other people in 2012, etc. And it keeps going. And you look at all of those various cults that spring up, and people start going around doing sensible things like committing mass suicide and so on as part of their preparations for the whole thing. Well, what do we mean by the second coming of Christ? What do we mean by the end of the world? 
You see, part of the challenge we have when we look at the Bible is that obviously the world view of the Bible was of a, a three-decker universe, you know, heaven up there, earth here, and, and hell down there, whatever each of those things meant. And when we look at those readings of a second coming or those readings of the end of the world, we read of a God of wrath and judgment, of hellfire and damnation, and if we're not careful, we end up with, with those sort of bizarre sermons about the need for you to be washed in the blood and all of that kind of thing. But actually, if we think about it, that instead of the end of the world, maybe the end of the world as we know it at that precise moment, that actually a lot of the time we end up falling into all kinds of traps. We fall into traps of fear. We fall into traps of, of, of hatred, of anger, of a belief of a God of wrath and judgment, forgetting the God of infinite love and care for his creation. If we're not careful, the end of days version of Christianity, which, believe me, has been flourishing over the past decades, allows for false Christianities to flourish. It allows fear to creep in. Rather, we need, I think, to look at those other passages reflecting on the second coming, like Matthew 25 and the parable of the sheep and the goats. When you did it for the least, you did it for me. Without a shadow of doubt, one of the most deeply theological films of the past 20 years is Johnny English. And in Johnny English, um, there is the part where we know whether or not we have a fake Archbishop of Canterbury by whether or not he has tattooed on his bottom the phrase, Jesus is coming, look busy. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to test it on Justin, trust me, on, the, on that one. Um, um, but I do like that phrase of Jesus is coming, look busy, because... I think that's actually where that kind of false Christianity will take you. It will take you to the idea of that it's about the appearance of what we do. That it's okay just to turn up on a Sunday, listen to sermons about hellfire and damnation, and then go away and do nothing else. Jesus is coming, look busy. I think actually we need to be thinking Jesus is coming get active might be a more appropriate uh, perspective on the whole thing. The second coming of Christ is, is not just a, a distant thing off in the future, something for us not to worry about now. Because actually, if we, if we want to think about it, well, the scientists are saying the likelihood of the end of the world is it is going to be a few years down the line and probably before the end of our lives sorry, after the end of our lives, I should say, um, considerably after the end of our lives. And if we want an end of world theology, then, well, we don't have to do anything about it. The notions of climate change, well, that's somebody else's problem. The notion of equality in our world, that's somebody else's problem. Thousands, tens of thousands of years from now, the sun apparently will expand and destroy the, the solar system, but that's not our problem, therefore we don't need to think about it. But rather if we think of the second coming of Christ as not being some event in the future, but the everyday present, 
then that is something for us to think about quite seriously. Christ is coming today. What are you going to do about it? Jesus is coming. Don't look busy. How are you getting ready for him? It's easy for us to allow despair to enter into our faith. We only have to turn on the news at the moment, you know, and quite frankly, a lot of the time we might be thinking the end of the world is about to happen, you know, all of the fears we have about what Brexit might be in the news this week hasn't been great with its forecasts around that. We only have to think about the wit and wisdom of the President of the United States and the thought of him wandering into the room going, oh, I wonder what that little red button does and, and the fear that that might engender as well. It is easy to allow despair in. But we need to transform our spirituality. We need, I think, to think of it that there is hope coming. That there is something that we need to be doing about it. I remember when I was uh, a boy going to church and every Sunday in our prayers of intercession we would offer prayers for Terry Waite and for the other hostages. And I remember then when he was released, reading his book, Taken on Trust, where he talked about the way that he had to prepare himself, mentally and spiritually, even whilst in incarceration, for the freedom that would be to come. That maybe we need to think of ourselves in a similar kind of way, that we at the moment are in that waiting time that is Advent. We are still effectively in our prison but we are waiting for the freedom that Christ will give us. We're waiting for that to come. So how are we going to prepare ourselves for that freedom? Jesus is coming. Start getting active. Start thinking about what actually Jesus' presence will mean for you. And as the sheep and the goats parable tells us, it is that we are to find Jesus coming in the everyday to us, in those who are the most needy, the most vulnerable. It is easy to despair, to allow that to creep in. But actually, in and amongst all of that, we are to seek out the good news. When I was doing my uh, theological training in our homiletics course, the, the, the person needing it kept on saying to us, you need to find the good news in this, however difficult it is. So where is the good news in this for us today? I'm afraid it's you and it's me that we might actually be the good news that Jesus is coming and we need to get active. That we need to be inspired by Christ. That hope, that freedom that is to come, we are to try and live that out and bring that for others, those who are the most in despair. That we are called to get this earth ready as a place fit for Christ to come and live amongst. So this Advent we maybe need to find new ways of serving the kingdom. Um, 
I don't want you to think I'm immature and shallow at all, but I do have a Milky Bar advent calendar uh, for this year, and uh, I'm, very, I'm very pleased with it so far. Um, but maybe um, you want to have that on the one side, and then maybe an alternate advent calendar on the other. In our notices today, we, uh, in our notice sheet, we have about the fact that the Calais refugees are in urgent need of, of socks and men's clothing and toothpaste. So maybe each day you want to buy a small tube of toothpaste and then donate that at the end of your advent. 24 tubes will help a lot. Or maybe you want to have an alternate advent calendar where you're, you're getting tinned goods or something that the local food bank needs and donate that as your alternate this year. Find ways of serving the kingdom of God in this Advent time. Volunteer with the night shelter. Work out those people within our community who are the lonely ones just up the road from you and maybe go and visit them. Jesus is coming. Jesus has already arrived. You'll have walked past him on your way here, who's the one sleeping out in the shop doorway. You miss Jesus because she was the one at the food bank collecting her emergency provision for her family. You miss Jesus because he was the child, desperately phoning Childline because of parental abuse. You miss Jesus because he was the one in the boat precariously clinging on for life off of our shores being trafficked into our country. Jesus is coming day by day are you going to get busy or are you going to look busy? How are you going to serve Christ and get ready for him to come this Advent tide? Amen.